All right, guys. On today's episode of the Trade Busters podcast, I'm very excited to have Brian Lee on with us today. Um, for those that, unless you've been following me for a while, you may not know who he is because it's kind of a well. Brian does um, short selling of, um, I guess, small cap stock, so it's totally different. Uh, obviously, my show is geared towards options trading, but I've been following you for a while, and uh, first with your appearance on. Uh, chat with traders and then your episode with uh, confession of a market maker and there's just something about the way uh, obviously you've, you've kind of been through the trials and tribulations and the way you articulate the story and and i really have a respect for kind of your work ethic um and so for one uh really excited to have you on thank you for for joining us today uh i know that the one thing i want to mention is just like um I think the thing that kind of stands out that caught my eye was uh, so you start off as a pro gamer, and then transition yep. into stock trading. <laughs> so we'll get into how how that came about. Um, but firstly, uh, just another kind of um, testament to how thoughtful you are. Like literally, this this episode was a long time coming because I've been begging you for like months to to come on. But like you you told me like you know you, you want to always have impact and like. To have some value to add so you, you're not one of those people who just want to come on and, and just talk about yourself all the time and so you always want to have some kind of milestone or something and we, we can see that through the progression of all the talks it has so but yeah again thank you for 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 coming on um and lastly i would just say for those who don't know brian stop now check out the show notes i'm gonna link a couple of his latest episodes i know you were on um trading for a traders for a cause and then with the Messer underground um those will kind of dive really deep into the whole background i know you've, you've done the whole spiel so many times about the the gaming and how that uh how you got into that your journey through from a novice to professional gamer and kind of the fallout from that and then transition into the gaming so we won't dive too much into that because i want to focus on the topics that kind of may appeal to kind of both our audiences like i think of this as almost like a crossover episode uh, because you do small cap trading and I do options trading, but there's a lot of overlap in the way you think and concepts that I think can apply kind of universally. Um, so with that, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, just give us a quick intro in terms of the trajectory of like uh, how you started gaming and got into trading, just kind of the high level and, and like that trajectory just to get started for people who don't know you. Okay, thanks for having me, David. Um, so I started gaming pretty much as soon as um, I was a kid. And that was around 2010. I decided I want to go professional gaming. So that's around when I graduated from high school. Um, I attended university just to kind of appease my parents. And then I realized that I could go professional. And so I wrote them kind of like a really huge document, like outlining my plan, how I was going to do it. And if I could have a year just to kind of pursue something that I was passionate about. And then they agreed. I was able to commit all my time to this. And um, luckily, I was able to follow through with my plans and meet my goal of attending this really big tournament. It's like this. Uh, every year, they have this tournament called the International. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of esports. And at the time, it was like a million-dollar prize pool. And so for me, that was a big, big deal to be able to attend that. And from there, I just kind of kept competing for about a decade. And at some point, I realized that I would need to transition out of this. And I was getting a little bit older uh, physically. It was harder for me to 
like actually compete um, 16 hours a day practicing. So I decided to go ahead and to go into uh, trading, something I always had my eye on. And so around how old that time, were you I was, at this point? So 10 years of gaming and then how old were you when you were making that transition? I think I was I was partially picking up trading at the time. So I think I must have been something like 24, 25 when I started looking in the market. But I didn't officially really go into the market. Um, actually, no, it must have been a bit earlier. It's a, It's been a long time. So I think in the in my early 20s, actually. And then I transitioned to trading around 24, 25. And I think I really committed at that point. So, you know, having gone into trading, um, you know, it's just a lot of like watching YouTube videos and stuff like that, nothing serious. But once I decided I was going to go full throttle into to trading, I just dropped everything gaming related, didn't talk to any of my friends, didn't do, do any tournaments, nothing like that. And um, I think right now I'm about uh, officially, I think full time, about six, seven years into my trading journey now. And I learned a lot along the way. Of course, I, I blew up my account back in 2018. That's a story that I shared uh, on different podcasts and actually gave a speech about that in uh, 2021 at uh, Traders for a Cause conference in Las Vegas. That one detailed basically how I blew up my account by just breaking a couple of rules like a lot of pe people do. You know, having been consistent, I just kind of started averaging down onto trades and, you know, it works for a while. Then you blow up and I saw it. I definitely saw it coming, but that was like a huge thing for me because it taught me the importance of risk management as a number, number one thing. And also just how to like really make my process as, um, as much of a fortress as possible. So I'm thinking more of like, not only how do I defend myself against my humanity, but how do I actually engage my brokers to stop me out of trades with the max stop loss? Can I go even further than that? Can I, you know, mitigate the potential for me to even call in or to email them, et cetera? Just lots of systems on pawn systems. And from that point, I share in uh, 2022 my Traders for a Cause presentation that um, I was able to grow my account from like $50 risk on like a simulated $5,000 account and make that to $1 million at PL back in those days. And that was just really from focusing on risk management, taking each trade one day at a time and not thinking about the fact that I blew up like 150k back in 2018 and um you know today I'm basically I like to say that I'm kind of the same person you know if I didn't have all these systems in place that I possibly could have still blown my account up and things like that or made those mistakes but you know I was absolutely just disgusted with myself and what I did and like I I never look at risk I've never looked at it the same way again and so my kind of journey on this has led me to kind of want to share that with a lot of people to help them eliminate those mistakes. And that's what a lot of my content kind of focuses on. Okay, great. A lot to dive into there. Um, I do want to talk about kind of the experience of blowing up and, and overcoming that. But before, uh, I want to take a step back first to that initial transition into trading. And I, I swear I'm not, I don't mean to gloss over the gaming story because it's absolutely epic. So please, if you guys take a look at the show notes, listen to those first or at least Brian's story. But I want to focus on uh, the transition to trading. Uh, why trading? What was it about? I mean, because you were coming out of gaming and you could have, I guess, done any number of things. How did trading first get on the radar? 
Well, I, like I mentioned, I'm pretty realistic with myself. I dropped out of university as an undergraduate and I knew I didn't have any like real skills necessarily. Um, I knew I had the work ethic and I actually, like I, I thought of other options before I got into trading. Like I would um, cold email people and I'd say like, Hey, you know, I don't have any like qualifications, but I'm willing to learn and like put in as much work as anybody else. I, you know, I'll, I'll work for free, things like that. And I was trying to get my foot in the door into different industries, but you know, I think that it just didn't play out for me, and thankfully it didn't because um, my backup was really just the market. And in gaming, I had built up a bit of savings from the prizes at the time and my salary as a sponsored player, and so I knew that eventually I was going to transition out in some way. But um, as far as like the options, you know, I really needed a way to make money, and I didn't want to go back to school. I absolutely hate school. So <laughs> I felt that um, upon listening to a lot of videos and like podcasting like that about trading, that some of the skills could potentially overlap. And as far as ideal lifestyle, like for me, I'm not really afraid to take risks and kind of do things that no one's, that people think is stupid or that the odds are very low because be having been a pro gamer, the odds of that are already extremely low. So I don't really have a problem going for things that I think um, have a really huge risk reward. You know, I, I sacrificed a year of time, maybe two years, and the reward is like freedom. It's uh, money, you know, things like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It was like you did it almost out of necessity, right? Kind of out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak, because the gaming was like your income. And then, like you say, you had to find another way to keep yourself going, right? And because I think, I don't know if, majority of people have that kind of reason like for me i got into the market just as i don't know i was bored or it was 2008 2009 i was in grad school and like it was like the, the great financial crisis so everyone had like the market on their mind so it was more just like as a hobby um and it's almost like i guess with covid like when people just have too much time on their hands they tend to just want to do something right um but for you it was really like you had to like do something right because otherwise you'd be like broke for the most part um and you yeah. just had to apply yourself and all the skills you had and into something um how did you first like you mentioned watching video i mean you're doing research online to even figure out you know what to do but as far mm -hmm. as learning like was there particular websites or groups or books or how did you even start well um uh, before i get into that i just wanted to mention something that came to my mind is like when it, when I start things, I just uh, go all in. Like I, <laughs> I don't I don't half-ass anything I do, and I make sure that what I'm doing is something that I I really think is really valuable. So like, like when I got into a relationship with my wife, really in like maybe in the first couple of weeks, I was like, we're gonna be committed to each other, and like that that's the way it's been, you know, for all of my trading journey. It's like I thought to myself, you know, I could lose her because. Um, and I told her a lot of times, like, well, you know, I know it's really un uncertain and everything like that, but this is something that I'm going to do no matter what. So it's like, you're either going to be here with me at the end or not, but I'm not going to sacrifice like my ambition for the relationship, even though I want to marry you. And um, luckily she stuck around, but it's like, I get into gaming. That's my all in. I burn the boat. I get into trading. I burn all my trading or my gaming relationships. I just go for it. And so I think that's like one of the reasons why. 
I'm able to pursue things that are really difficult is just because of that intense focus. It's like, that's just what came to mind about, you know, uh, making these dramatic changes and everything like that. But um, in terms of learning, I really got into to the market through kind of Tim Sykes, which is like really pretty ubiquitous in the market. Um, the, the reason why I really kind of appreciate his style is um, as much as it is marketing, you know, I think that being a little bit older and wiser, inspiration does play like a significant factor into why people are motivated to do things. And it's like, I've racked my brain a lot about how I've used to offer friends and family like, hey, you know, let me teach you how to trade. And then, and I convince them, you know, like, hey, okay, it's gonna be great. And then they, they come in and we talk and I'm like, so you got to manage risk. Uh, it's going to take you three, four years. You got to read all these books. And I was like, I can make it simpler for you, but you know, there's nothing I can do to really shorten that learning curve. You're still going to get beaten up and all that stuff like that. And I'm starting with all the, the realistic information. But when I think about it, it's like I got into the market because I saw kind of what you could do with it potentially and all the possibilities. And that was like motivating enough for me to like sacrifice and, you know, Tim does a really good job of just kind of like forcing that down your throat, sacrifice, um, and just keep putting in the effort. And that really resonated with me. So, you know, I think that he kind of introduced a lot of people into the market and eventually, you know, they do figure out, Hey, this is how it really goes. But that was for better really, or for really worse. Right. For when you said how yeah. it goes, like for better or for worse, like either you make it or well, you don't pretty much. What's the thing? I mean, you're gonna, if you're serious about trading, um, and even just anything really, you're going to be pretty introspective and you're going to be able to kind of analyze what mistakes are being made. And I think you're naturally going to come to the conclusion if you're really serious about this as a career that like, okay, that's not actually real information and you're going to figure out, you know, your own path, but you have to be somewhat engaged. Otherwise, like passion's a big thing um, in, in trading and anything because you have to really be able to sit with just getting beaten up every single day and come back ready to keep fighting and clawing your way up to the top it's like without that passion i don't really know how you can make it so i don't really know anything about tim sykes other than all the facebook ads i see but mm -hmm. what you do now is it pretty much what he does so to speak or have you kind no. of evolved okay so that's that was the initial no. inspiration but you've evolved kind of your own style i guess or found your own edge. yeah i mean so it's like he's the introduction but then you start start recognizing like other people as well just once you i know whatever the algorithms whatever youtube but i found i found, honestly found the most value and probably maybe 95 99 percent of the value i got um in how i trade and everything like that from twitter and the reason why i believe that to be the case is because um I always understood this one principle that I learned from uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, he always mentioned like, well, if you want to get really good at something, you don't you don't go and find like the top dog. You find the guy who's like right underneath him who has the chip on his shoulder. Because like it's usually the first place gets all the glory, right? They're the kind they're the person you can't reach out to even if you wanted to. Whereas like the person right beneath them, they're still hungry and they also maybe don't have as mu as much attention. And so, like, I I looked for people who like were speaking the truth at a high level, and didn't necessarily have the following or anything like that, or any of the marketing skills. And because of that, I was able to pick up a lot of information um, through those people, as well as um, you know, I kind of looked at 
Twitter almost like a like a book. And the biggest praise I can give is to um, Team 3D Stocks, all the faders. He's like an amazing individual. If you look him up, he basically he's always telling people to like look back and use the search functions and look at you know keyword search keywords that you're interested in and like really pick up the information. And so that way, it's kind of like I learned that everyone's Twitter is almost like a book that you can literally control F search through. And so it's like extremely efficient. You know, imagine if you could pick up a book and be like, oh, I want to find um, anything regarding risk. And you can just pull up every single page that has risk instead of like trying to, you know, flip through all the pages. That's basically what Twitter is. And when you find those individuals who have huge amounts of information and knowledge, a lot of times like there's going to be so many golden nuggets throughout their timeline. I mean, I'm look, looking back literally 2016, 2014, finding these little bits of information that still hold true today. And if you basically develop that skill on Twitter, you're going to be able to find so much information. That's that's essentially how I built up uh, my knowledge and just treating it as something to study and read, reflect on the weekend. And then, you know, you have a new question, you just type in the next keyword and then all of a sudden, there you go. And that's kind of how I structured my own feed. And I understand why people like will show up on to my follow on, onto my Twitter and be like, well, I don't see anything here. You know, like, what are you t- even talking about? But it's like, it gets boring. You know, if you top, if you type something in, in detail in 2016 or 17 or 18, like by the 50th time you say it, you don't want to say it anymore. So it's, it's in there if you look, but it's just like, you can't show up and expect me to spoon feed you every single tweet and that's kind of the main idea of how to use twitter like really effectively i think that's the best best resource by far for learning how to trade so twitter was your main source you know what stands out is it's interesting how kind of where your initial inspiration came from really points you in a direction and sets you on a trajectory of like where you ultimately end up like in terms of like even the, the type of trading and then you know making the effort to go online and find out info that's out there but you have to kind of mine those nuggets right because for myself i i randomly got into the market i, I guess, like i said in 2008 but like i was in grad school and my friend in grad school he saw that i was like taking interest in the market and he was like told me he did options so he started teaching me that but then he taught me selling options which is kind of the reverse of what people starting out do because you know you hear people do like the the yolo calls or whatever and buying as speculation so like i started from the the selling options side which is kind of not the normal way i guess people get started but then from there and for me it was like online networks like uh, option alpha or tasty trade and there are these networks that provide free content and essentially like it's, it's just all content out there but there's like a lot of content so if you don't know like what you're looking for exactly sometimes it's not necessarily useful because it's just like a pile of information like a bunch of tools but you don't know how to use it and so for me it was like finding those groups and then searching facebook for tasty trade groups i don't did you join any like online communities back then because that was a big part for me and just having people that like were interested in the same topic um but again you have to read between the lines because there's like with large groups there's people of all skill levels. So there's a lot of noise <laughs> and you have to read between the lines and like figure out who to follow and stuff. Um, and for me, like 
it was always about assimilating like again those nuggets and a lot of my knowledge was just built from like picking out you know um the little diamonds in the rough from from all the noise on on these online groups yeah definitely uh i i paid for like three four thousand dollars for some course i thought was going to be really good uh it was was like a little community and um you know eventually i found out it was a scam but the guy who actually ran it was like recycling information from like another trader is actually pretty decent (laughs) okay so that was still somewhat helpful if not you know i got ripped off obviously and scammed but I think the difference maker for me versus like, you know, the 200, 300 other people in there, which, you know, it's a lot of money if you think about it, is uh, when the first day I went in there, I asked, like, does anybody want to do this for a career seriously? And if you do, I'm looking for somebody to kind of like bounce ideas off of and learn with. And that was the first thing I typed in the chat. That very night, um, somebody reached out to me and we ended up building a really good relationship where we didn't need that chat anymore. And we found other people to learn from and to join our group. And that was the beginnings of like my real true education. It wasn't necessarily within the chat room I paid for, which eventually did get shut down. Um, but through that friendship. And I think, you know, it's like for better or worse, the fact that someone else would pay, you know, thousands of dollars to learn from a community probably means they have a minimum level of commitment that's much higher than, you know, the average person. For sure. So I figured that I figured worst worst case, you know, we're now we now we have each other. And because of that, created a really amazing group. Everyone was able to pull, you know, resources from their own experiences and we would be able to dive through things together and do like the reviews and things like that. And that was like extremely helpful for me because not only do I know like these people on a personal level, but I also understand like where they're coming from. I don't have to like guess, you know, how good they are, or what level they're at or what they see. I, I just kind of, you start understanding what they do. And then we tried to make it really like uh, well-rounded. So we'd be like, oh, what are we missing? We're like missing kind of like a data guy. And so we would go out and ask, you know, does anyone have a friend who has that? And if not, uh, my Twitter account was kind of growing at the time because I was trying to network as well, just kind of like sharing information and then people would be attracted to that. So then I'd be like, hey, does anyone know how to do this? They'd come in and we'd like try them out for a bit. And then if they stuck, we would just be like, all right, this is cool. And then we just went with that for like a couple of years. That was super, super helpful. But I always say, you know, you got to, at some point when you know what you want to do, you know, just kind of branch off on your own and just like trade your process because you know, everyone's going to go a different way. We all kind of picked, pulled in the same information, but like, People pick their own path forward. You know, some people were attracted to different styles, and it's like it was a lot of noise and a lot of distraction. And as far as you were mentioning about, you know, there's so much information and stuff like that. Um, the way I kind of deal with that is I just, first of all, like I kind of have this gut instinct of what resonates with me. And when something is just so simple but effective, that those are the things that really resonate with me the most because. I understand simple and I understand that you can take a simple concept and master the hell out of it. So for me, a lot of the 
like the the things I rely on today are like based on a simple foundation of like okay, risk management in terms of R, risk reward, you know, systematize systematizing your strategy. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I could explain each one of those things maybe in a couple sentences how to do it, but the nuance that develops over years and years of just like refining it is something that takes time. You know, I just think that um, when something just sounds like it's too good to be true or it's way too black black boxy, that's when I start kind of raising my eyebrow and thinking like, well, I don't think I can do that. And, you know, it's not a good thing to, to limit yourself and be like, well, I can't do that. A lot of times you can just literally ask, like, how did you do that? And if the person tells you, then now you know. But for me, like, the first thing that really kind of blew my mind, actually, was just how to position size. Like, that was not something people talk about. It's not it's not like sexy information, you know, how to just take what you want to risk and divide it by the risk per share from your entry and your exit. And that's your position size. And now you know how much you lose per trade. Like, literally that piece of information transformed my career because I don't think marketers want to talk about that. But it's like, that's so foundational to trading and it makes so much sense that I just ran with that as far as when I you, could. When you say marketers, who are you referring to? Like people who market education or? Yeah, essentially, you know, that's not, they're not going to go like first lesson guys, how to position size. They're going to go, Oh, look at me, you know, I'm trading on the beach or something like that. Or right. look at this indicator. You know what I mean? It's uh it's you can there are so many systems or so many like processes people sell, and it's like they just have no idea what the simple truth of trading is, you know, mathematics, probably you know, how to be profitable with risk reward and you know, balancing your just basic stats, win rate, uh, win loss ratio and you know law of large numbers and how to control your risk. I mean, it's like, it's not even really rocket science once you kind of dig into it. It's just that nobody wants to mention that because it's too simple, I suppose. You know, I get pushback sometimes, I think, on some of my stuff for the same reason. I think I almost make it seem like trading can kind of be paint by numbers to some aspect, but like, it really is as simple as, as the math sometimes. And I want to dive into R and your work on that in a second but before that it sounds like you kind of had a good start in terms of like your drive and willingness to learn and then having those you know that that group it almost sounds like you're building a team because right? you, you used to build teams when you're pro gaming but it's it almost like it sounds like you're building a team of traders that you can rely on for knowledge or accountability or whatever how did you end up blowing up like what led down to that path um, when it sounds like you had a good start and was going in a good direction. Right. So I was using a method called R compounding, which is basically, uh, you know, use like one or 2% of your account and whatever kind of PL gain or loss you had the next day, you'll just take one or 2% of your account the next day, <clears throat> which to a lot of people at glance sounds really small. But if you actually look at the math of compounding, it's, your account can grow like quite significantly and exponentially. So throughout my journey, I was basically trading very stably. I was uh risking, you know, one one, two percent of my account. <clears throat> and through that experience, I was building my account like the right way I felt. But the problem I the problem that occurred was once my 
account started hitting like these major win streaks, I was uh, getting a little bit greedy and I was like, well, I'm going to use 2% of my account, which sounds like nothing. But if you think about it from 1% to 2% of your accounts, like the risk of ruin is cut in half, right? Sure. Yeah, exactly. And then another thing people don't think about is, well, if you're taking, like I take a lot of trades. So I was taking, you know, four or five trades a day. But te- technically at 2%, you can lose, you know, 10% of your account per day uh, minimum. And, uh, you know, that's psychologically, you can also t- have these really big wins because I was, I trade with uh, risk reward in mind. So for me, I like to have really big wins compared to my loss, like three to one at least. So your your win days actually, you know, you can stack 15, 20, 30% on a really you know hot day. And so your risk the next day just in- incredibly you know, exponential compared to the prior day. Because of this, I was kind of skipping levels, so to speak. And, you know, it's like if you would risk a thousand bucks, then all of a sudden you're risking like 2000 bucks the next day or something like that. You know, it's a big jump and it doesn't sound like a lot, but I feel that every time people hit these kind of psychological limits where it's like, they understand now the value of this, how it's like, well, it's a that's a month of rent or that's two that's two months whatever that's even in their own equity curve it's like that represents you know you could have a losing day that represents your whole month or a whole week things like that something psychologically that will trigger you for me it was just at this point where i kept winning and winning and winning growing my account because my uh system was pretty decent um i just could not accept the loss anymore at one point just one day after a hot streak and I felt like I was really good, you know, like a lot of people do on a hot streak. It, I couldn't accept the loss. So I just started kind of bailing myself out at one point. And this is, this is like, you know, 10 months into a, a one year kind of uh, focus on like trading really risk ma- management first or and everything like that. So I was trading super consistently up to that point. All, but all of a sudden I started averaging down. And as a result, you know, you get bailed out here and there. Because all of a sudden, when like it's like your life depends on it, you're going to execute super well. So I was, I was literally, cat, you know, getting the best kind of entries to make it so I can break even or make a really huge profit relative to my consistent profits. And that was that. That's just really psychologically demanding because, on one hand, you know that you're heading down this path that's everyone knows that you're going to blow up. Like you know, you're going to blow up. You tell anyone what's happening, they know you're going to blow up. Common financial wisdom says you're going to blow up. And so I look at that, and I'm like, well, I want to change. So I'm like looking through everything from day to day. Like, how do I look at blogs and videos and everything I can find, you know, psychology? Like, what can I do to not do this? But every time that situation occurs, I just keep wanting to claw my way back. And then that basically led to the eventual blow up that I felt I had no control over. Now I realize that there are a lot of things I can do to mitigate that effect or to just mitigate the exponential rise of compounding because it's like, well, if you compound your account infinitely, you know, if you never put the brakes on it, of course it's going to be amazing. But as a human, we have to acknowledge our own kind of limitations. And for me, the two biggest uh, things out of that was um, number one, having a max loss instituted by the broker to stop me from over trading or for revenge trading. That is a system that is out of my control, but I've predetermined. So 
it helps me keep my losses manageable and help me from like making that crucial mistake. And then number two is learning how to grow my account um, and my risk in a more like systematic way that I consider I call freezing, which is like if you're growing your account like one or two percent and you have a hundred dollars risk, like my idea is to create kind of like in your mind what the next risk level for you of significance would be. So if it's like two hundred dollars, keep trading every single day with that hundred bucks, it might be a hundred five bucks the next day, et cetera. Um, keep trading that up and down until you hit two hundred. Once you hit two hundred, you create a you create a threshold on your account where that's all like to risk two hundred. You only need a certain amount of money in your account anyway, for one one or two percent, and then you just start wiring all that money out, and you keep trading that two hundred bucks, where you can't increase your risk higher, so you won't go like two hundred five, two hundred ten, but you can decrease it to one ninety, one ninety five, one eighty, whatever. Keep trading that until that number does not affect you at all. Where you take a loss doesn't matter. Where you take a max loss day doesn't matter. You take a string of losses doesn't matter. When even when you start wiring in the money, you don't even feel like it's significant anymore or that it's impactful. And you've completely gone over this uh, threshold. And once you've done that, not only have you built kind of like a bankroll for yourself to also propel yourself to feel like, well, okay, now I have more months of expenses taken care of or I have you know I can t- I can afford to put on more risk because I have a safety net and you, that also helps you increase your risk as well as just like now you've mastered this level and the beauty of this is like even if you grow grow and grow and but you have some kind of setback if if you ever let's say go to 500 bucks and then all of a sudden you you start trading back down to 200 bucks cuz your account you know took a big hit you can grow that 200 bucks back to 500 because you've experienced every single level in between and you don't need to stop anywhere in between because you already you already feel that you already know everything that associated with those levels and liquidity being another one but that's a, that's more of a small cap thing but any in any case you know um like the main gist is that I didn't con- I didn't control my risk I let it get out of control and it compounds on itself when you have a big winner that's outsized because of breaking a rule then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I'm going to stick to my process risk more. That makes more or makes huge blow up. And um, it's just like, there's no concept of risk ruin and any of that. It sounds like it was almost like a your success, you were kind of outgrowing your own comfort level without realizing it. Um, yeah. And and it's because you you're compounding your profits, but by definition, like people talk about trading some percent but because your account's growing your risk is going up and you can you want to think of it like i risk x percent to make y percent but the dollars are getting bigger right you're getting huge and it's almost like you're not used to seeing that and that kind of threw you off your game i guess what was the blow up like was this one big event like one day or was it like a over like a week you just spun out of control and like like how how quick of a blow up was this? It was it was between three trades. Wow. Okay. Where each one's kind of like a third of the account. And then um that that happened within a month of each other. And the like literally the worst part about that was I had the I had it under the wash sale rule because it was the end of the year. And so I couldn't 
I couldn't deduct those losses from my taxes. So it just didn't count until, you know, the next year. And that was like a huge hit as well. Um, fortunately, you know, with trading, you know, if you stay in the game, you get rewarded by the tax code just because you have the opportunity to like use those losses to offset the gains in the future if you have the proper, um, you know, tax selection and stuff like that, which I would like heavily recommend to learn from this. It's just you don't want to deal with that wash shell rule at the end of the year. And if you don't know about it, it's going to bite you in the ass. But yeah, it's you, you outgrow it. And kind of what I realized is like, you have to, you have to just like slow, you have to slow down and really internalize all these risk levels. Because if you think that you can just, uh, you know, bulldoze your way forward. One of the things I will say is like, whatever's in your account, is subject to loss like you can lose every you can always lose everything in your account i don't i don't care what people say so it's like if you're if you're up like you know if you're like me and you're you you had like 150k gains 150k account but like you never wired anything out because you just want to keep growing and growing and growing like you have to know that you can lose all of it so what it would have been a lot smarter was to actually start wiring out some of that money making sure that's locked in and then trade what i am comfortable losing so that's the problem with compounding it just it gets people like really giddy about you know what is could their life be like or what kind of money they could pull in things like that and it's just like it's pure greed it's, that's that's one of the emotions that you don't want to experience in trading it's greed and fear it was um i think you tweeted about recently how people look up to these stories of like the people who blow up and then come back because it's like the redemption story right but then i think you tweeted about like that doesn't have to be the way right and that's why like you do what you do and like educate and try to basically have people avoid that right because sometimes i always say like the worst thing that happened to new traders is they make money <laughs> right away yeah because for me it was weird because i was trading on like um fidelity the web platform which isn't really what I was using was not really designed for the kind of option trading I was doing. So I was I was putting these what's on what these called are called earnings trades where you're you're trying to bet on essentially when you're selling options and we sell these positions where people expect a big move. So when they're speculating on what a stock's gonna do after earnings, they they buy a put or buy a call or or they buy both. It's called a straddle or a strangle. And so the kind of trade out thing was selling these moves because you're betting that the move won't be as big as people anticipate. So you get paid to to collect this premium and then the stock ultimately doesn't move that far. But I actually, I was like trying these strategies without fully realizing the risk. So I was probably putting on a few positions where it was the two or three X levered in terms of like the notional size to, to my account. And so I put on like three of these or maybe four and it was just pure luck. Like three of them worked. And one, it was on Boeing. And this was like July of like 2019 or something. It like, it blew up, right? And then like, and it's funny because I had, I had a huge loss. It was marking like down a few thousand dollars. But at the time, like I didn't even have a semblance of like Netlick. Like most people like you look at your Netlick and you see your daily move, right? I, I just saw dollars and I, I didn't even realize until later that I lost 10% of my account, right? On that one one trade but that was like the lesson that i learned like thankfully <laughs> i i learned real quick that like 
there's a lot of unknown unknowns. <laughs> so you have to like take it slowly. So for me, it was like having that experience that that made me like cool down because I was like all gung ho when I was learning the options and, and tasty trade and like just putting on positions and just like I had this thought like, oh, if I if I'm willing to if I'm trying to make like two hundred dollars, I'm willing to risk you know six hundred dollars, like three to one, whatever. And if it moves against me, I'll just cut it off. But then <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, I should have, but like when these earnings come out, like the stocks gap, right? So when it opened, I was already down like way past yeah. what I what I thought I was going to. Um, so I think like sometimes it's unfortunate because I have people come up to me and ask for advice or something, but like after they've already blown up an account or lost some huge amount. Um, but I think you do believe that like it's not necessary to have to have that, even though people like the story, but it's not something you would want anyone to necessarily go through. Um, how did you come back from that? Though, like, some people just quit, right? Like, especially in the situation you were, like, having transitioned out of gaming and then all that time you spent, was it just like you had no choice, or is that just your personality? Like, how were you able to fund the account and go again? Right. It's a it's a combination of a lot of things, which is yeah, personality. I'm really stubborn. Like I. I also did burn the boats. I didn't I didn't see a future for myself like going back to gaming at all in any capacity because uh I, I just understood like the lateral movement wasn't really there, you know. You can I can go back and coach a team, I could play again, I could, you know, try to be part of the organizations, whatnot. But for me that's just not what I want to do. And um with trading, you know, uh it's it is like a little somber, but my dad passed away that year. And actually, that was before I blew up. So, I mean, I don't want to say like it was because of that, but maybe that I don't know if that was a factor. I, I honestly take all the responsibility for like what happened to me. But, you know, like my dad was smart. He like had a small life insurance policy. And like I asked, I asked my mom, I was like, you know, I really want to do this. And can I just have like 30,000 just so I can over PDT? And I'm going to, you know, this is just my last chance. Like for me personally, I was thinking, well, I put so much time into this. I know where I went wrong. I have a solution for next time. I know what I did to get there and that I didn't do it by, you know, by fluke. Like I literally grinded it out to that point. It was just a couple of trades that really got out of hand. And so, you know, I was able to use that money to fund my account when I basically had nothing left. Like, my, like I literally had nothing in my checkings account, and um, from there, you know, I had like a huge amount of incentive to like play super tight, to respect all my rules, and even then, I still like I came back, and I was like, I'm gonna do this right, and I started growing my account again, and like at that point when I was kind of at the peak of that, I was like. Let me trade, um, you know, peripheral setups like B and C setups that I don't, you know, have a hundred percent confidence in, but I know like the basic mechanics of it, and that drew me down like really close to PDT, which was like twenty twenty seven thousand, twenty six thousand, like very close. At that point, it's game over for me. Like I don't have, I don't have a way to build like a thousand bucks real quick, and so I was literally risking, you know, like. 20 bucks, 15, 20 bucks at that point at the lows. And I said to myself, I'm not going to trade anything I don't 
100 percent no you know i'm only going to trade my one setup and from that point that dip taught me like everything i need to know because i realized i could just master one thing and from focusing on one pattern just cutting everything out you know no no twitter no chat room nothing just myself and my risk management i was able to grow that back up and then that momentum carried forward just like i honestly kind of like i like in a way like i'm not religious but like in a way i kind of like prayed prayed like you know like i don't want to let my dad down you know things like that and i want to do it right so for me it was like really emotional really um like semi-spiritual and like very much in tune with like the way that i think as a person just i don't give up and because of all those factors i was just able to like have the perseverance and the mindset to like deal with any of the the drawdowns any of the you know the hardships and just really keep my pushing forward you know one foot in front of the other just like very slowly and i didn't think about how am i going to make this back i just thought if i manage to turn this into career that blow up is going to be nothing because like i know what's possible on the other side of you know succeeding in finance yeah i mean you obviously had a lot of intrinsic and extrinsic motivating factors at that point but i think it's like not everyone can pull that off where like you said not focusing on making it back but more thinking about the end goal because i always tell people like before they trade or start getting serious like they need to figure out like what they want and like it's not just making money right that's the obvious like not trading to not make money but like what exactly do you want to get out of it are you trying to be a full-time trader are you trying to supplement your income are you trying to just create some kind of more passive um uh, supplement to your retirement or portfolio or whatever um but in terms of like was that the point where you really focus on r um and can you explain R real quick? And you you you, you knew about risk management before, but it was like really after that point, I guess that you knew the importance of it and how solely focusing on that has the potential to basically make everything else just go in the right direction. Right. Yeah. So R is just something that I picked up from, uh, you know, Van Tharp and. It's really just the concept of uh, defining your risk and putting it into like the lowest common denominator. So, you know, if you have a, a ten thousand dollar account, you risk one percent of that. That's your R, and the outcome of that trade. You know, whether you make like three hundred bucks or five hundred bucks, whatever, you divide that by what you were planning on risking, and because of that, you can create an R multiple, and this is just the simplest way to really think about your performance of how you're executing things. But the main important factor of it is like your position sizing so that if your stop loss or your, you know, the point that you give up on the trade where you cut it, that's a fixed amount that you know what you risk and that you will lose that amount of money. Psychologically, that enables you to kind of like do a lot of calculations that are very simple, like Oh, I can lose a hundred times in a row at one percent in a day in a single day, and I will be fine. And you, you already know. Like, well, that's probably not going to happen. You know, most likely that's not going to happen. So let me just keep putting these trades on. And when you think in terms of R multiples, 
you're able to kind of understand like, well, if I lose one, I lose one, but I win three R, then I'm up one. And it's just a very simple kind of arithmetic game that can be extrapolated further into using stats like finding your average win-loss ratio and your win rate, plugging that into an equity curve sim and like really seeing the potential of that system. And you can analyze really if you're going in the correct direction or not. And by being able to like understand those concepts, um, early on, I understood the value of really thinking in terms of R because it's like, you know, in trading, you only have so many things you can control. And the risk side is one of those things. But if you can really leverage the way that you manage risk and make it controlled in the way that where like you have an expected loss and you know how to make that happen, then you can control so many aspects of like how you will make money. And because of that, and knowing where it will eventually lead, like I wasn't really afraid of like how I'm going to get there. It was more of like, it's a matter of time if I do the right things. And even if that sounds really, you know, like arrogant, it's just, if you understand the math, it's a hundred percent true. So for me, I completely believe in that because I could, it's something I could verify myself. It's something that, you know, I understood deep down, like this is the way to go, especially when you have your back against the wall. Like if you have no other option, how do you simplify your process into like a way that will work? You know, it's like, if there's so many variables in your trading that you have no idea like what tomorrow will bring or why yesterday happened, you know, that's where I think the confusion really comes from. But for me, it's like, I know what I'm risking every single day. I know how much I can draw down. I know that personally I can break the rules and like what my reaction to that will be. And that's basically the part that I was kind of missing before, um, blowing up is like because i was really consistent you know it's and it's easy to be consistent when you're risking like a lot less money it's just like i didn't feel necessarily like i had to plan for a disaster you know it's almost like it's like in california where there's like everyone's like oh there's gonna be an earthquake you know but like do you have preparedness for that earthquake like you could know it's gonna happen or could happen but don't have necessarily like the systems or like the you don't have the bag like ready to go and so that event basically taught me to like think of every single worst case scenario, like the internet going out or platform going down or oversizing a trade or even just like to the degree that of which how much I'll get slipped. So like even on my calculators, I wrote like at this at this point, I lose two times my risk, three times, four times, five times my risk. So I know at every level how much I'm going to lose. So I don't go into that fight, flight or freeze mode when it something goes wrong, like a gap, you know, like you mentioned, where it's like, all of a sudden, your calculation is just nowhere to be found, because it's so far away from where you risk. And it's like, dedicating so much time thinking about like, all the different ways that I can screw up or things can go wrong. Like, that's the true risk management to me, because I feel like, you know, anyone can set a stop loss. And anyone can kind of do the position sizing, but not everybody will be prepared for when they can't control themselves when they're full of adrenaline like wanting to call the broker or to remove the max loss and they can't actually stop you from doing so by the way and sending that email or whatever and i just like layered upon systems upon systems of like how to stop myself and even if i 
did remove, let's say a max loss, there's going to be a dollar amount that I set that I couldn't cross or a share account I couldn't cross or things like, or even like building a relationship with my broker. I like I sent them gifts and things like that and like really cultivated relationship where like I know that they'll have my back and they'll do what's in my best interest when I ask them of it. And that was like a big thing of just really considering every single factor that can go wrong. And I still do that today. I feel like, you know, I'm probably not able to, to capture every single thing that can go wrong, but you know, like I basically want to force myself to be the it like very in tune with like the algorithm, let's say that my system is. And for me, I'm just like the guy pressing the buttons and I, I want to eliminate as much of the um like the the error points that I can bring as a human <laughs> and just like really focus on what needs to be done. And these all these systems are there for that reason. It's just it seems overboard, but um you'd be surprised, you know, the limits people will go and how much they will kind of betray themselves in in the wrong moments. And I understand I understood that from that experience because it's like I knew it was coming and I knew what everyone was saying about it. But nobody offered me a practical solution. So I had to figure it out all myself. And now I offer that to the to everybody else. You mentioned earlier about how marketers don't the first lesson they want to put out there like the YouTube videos is not about like sizing and risk and stuff i guess because it's just like not appealing because like new traders at least with options they always want to focus on the the win rate or the hit rate because you can sell these like options that are high probability like 90 percent, 95 percent. but with options when you sell uh the risk reward is inherently the risk reward profile is inherently negatively skewed meaning your max loss is always going to be bigger than a max win because when you sell for a premium that amount is like that's it that's that's the most you can make but then you can lose multiples of that but that's the trade-off for having a high probability but people just focus on the probabilities right and and so i that that thing you mentioned about the the risk reward and controlling what you can the easiest part right i i have this term expectancy hacking because your expectancy is it's just a function of three things right it's the win rate and the win size in the loss size, right? And the win size and loss size ratio, that's that's the R. And people focus on the win rate so much, but you, you there's no way to like control all three because that, that's basically like controlling all aspects of the market, right? And so if you can fix the R and then the only variable left is the win rate, right? And that just comes down to the strategy. And if you have some strategy or some edge you, you trade that you know is going to have because it, with a given R, your break-even win rate is known, right? And so as long as your win rate is above that, you make money. And if it's below that, you don't, right? And then how much above that determines the win rate. So that that's something I've, I've always kind of really focused on. And not just the, um, there are, but obviously in order for the expectancy to play out, like obviously you have to size it correctly because if your sizing is inconsistent, then even with the, the R and the win rate, you might just, right? take a bigger loss dollar wise on one and then win the small one for mm -hmm. example for, for, with what you do is um is your control of sizing just purely looking at share count or like how how much leverage are you normally using in terms of uh i guess the the notional size of relative to like your your account are you are you trading more than like 2x 3x yeah so in uh 
Well, for like equities in general, you usually get four times your okay your account value buying power. Uh, it's really not uncommon to max it out. I like wish I had more. Um, the main way to position size is really just about the risk per share from your entry to exit. So, like if even if you find this amazing entry, you know where it's like five cents or three cents away from your from your entry point. I mean that that's doesn't really happen, but Let's just say that did. Technically, you could have a massive size, you know, compared to your normal size. Just it's really just about how to position size against that uh, with the amount of uh, risk that you want to put on. So, like, if I want to risk hundred bucks, you know, it's going to be a way less share count um, when I'm fifty cents away from my stop versus like one cent away from my stop. The way to kind of hack that is to well, for me, I like to trend trade so and position trade. So once I'm in a position, I might have kind of a wide stop. So I'm going to have a lo- like very low amount of shares, right? But I'm adding into that winner and subsequently pulling my stop down to where the amount of dollars I want to risk might be really just like quite close to my average cost at that point. And because of that, my, av- my win is going to be really big if I do get to my price target. But I cap how much I will lose if it goes against me because even though I'm building more of a position in that trade, I'm still going to cut that trade where it needs to be cut to lose the amount of money I, I set on risking on that day. So that's where like you can really pile into those positions that are winning as long as you understand kind of like how much volatility might go against you and um, accept also that you might get stopped out at a point where like you wish you really didn't, but that's the trade-off because I'm going for like big wins and control the losses. And I never really wanted to just say like, well, I'm going to pile into my position, but keep the same stop level because what that does is it just creates this imbalance where now all of a sudden I was risking one R and I'd lose like two, three R instead. Sure, you would have made more, but in terms of like risk reward ratio, it's like you didn't you didn't make 10 to one, you just risk three to make 10, you know, like it's when you divide it all, it's going to be still like a pretty subpar performance, um, given the amount of risk you put on. And it all just really stems from the place of risk of ruin first, where I want to know for a fact that like the position I have and how much I'm willing to risk is proportional to how much, um, you know, leeway I want to give to like how much, room for error I want to give myself in terms of risk rune because like ultimately what matters is the um the health of your account and it's asymmetric where like you know you lose 50% of your account you need to make 100% to get back right but in my case I don't really think about that because I'm, I'm usually capping the loss I know how much I'll lose per position how much I'll lose per day on the whole um, ideally, and I also I also calculate the fact that I might get slipped or I might make a mistake. So if I say I might lose ten R in a day, I am fully prepared to have like a fifteen R day loss as well. And I think a lot of people when they say like, "Well, I'm going to risk like two or three percent of my account," they don't realize like it's not just perfection every single time you take a loss, right? So I I think that's a really important you know factor to consider when you're like. You know, a lot of times it's not just you lost two R in a position. That's it. That's your max loss. A lot of times you might lose like four R, three R because 
you know things go wrong so um you mentioned having your broker like cut you off if you reach a certain level that's i guess that's your daily limit right in terms of maximum you're willing to lose and that's some number of r that's your r limit for the day i guess mm-hmm. okay and yes. then you set an well, r limit per trade as well and that's some some proportion of the total r limit for the day yeah so i, I have a really simple formula i try to go for three to one and that means per position i'm willing like per to setup, and i really limit my setups i don't trade like all over the place um because I know my setup really intimately, I know like the expectation of how much I should lose on average, and if I'm going and how much I will make on average if the trade works. And by the way, I have like a very low win rate, like thirty percent. So it's like it's not like I'm being overly optimistic. It's actually like I expect to lose. And so if I go for three to one trades, I'm going to give myself around two um, R worth of losses per position, and then I just multiply that by. The amount of positions I take on average per day. So if I take like three positions per day, then that's two times three is six R on the uh, the whole accounts when it will lock out. I see. So if, in that respect, I understand like what should happen on average, and um, like it's never going to allow me to kind of revenge trade like one particular in particular unless I like I override it somehow. But even then, there are like more options you can set besides just the daily loss limit and everything like that, and the position loss limit. So depending on how much, um, how poorly I feel like I'm performing or how maybe tilted I am, I might set more of those conditions. Like, um, you know, even if you bypass all those things, it's a simple concept of uh, make it harder than it is easy. So I'll, I can set my share limit. I can set my dollar um, value limit. So... I know all those values. I, every single day, I'm collecting the data of like what is on average, what I expect, you know. And if something's like an absolute outlier, then that's probably me being in a position where I'm like doubling down a position, or I'm over trading, or I'm you know I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do. And the broke uh, the platform itself will just stop you from executing. It will just say like it's not going to take me out of the trade, but it'll be like don't do that. And the thing is like even if let's say even if you let that position just really go against you, like all of a sudden you freeze and and it didn't liquidate you, but you're, you know, you go three, four, five times against you. Um, that's a lot better than if you were able to double down and turn down to like a double the loss or more, because um, that's where people really get into trouble. Because at the end of the day, when you know kind of risk reward and you trade around that, it's like, yeah, yeah, I made like a major mistake and I lost five R. And at times I've lost like 10 R and, and like really freak accidents where, it's like a news event hits and it's just, you know, there's no reaction time possible where I could get out of that position. And it's like, okay, I lost 10R. Now what? You know, it's not a big deal. I can make that back in like three three trades or so. And um, that's like a really important kind of mental model where you can just like accept these losses even in the worst case scenarios. And the main problem that people deal with is when they fight the trade and then like their exposure is just way out of bounds and then they take a huge damage that they can't recover so everything is normalized to the r value but the what that r value itself represents as a percent of the account that's something you set you can set or you do set and then you like do you, for you is r like one percent or what is that level yeah, for you now i'm now i'm using two percent because okay. um i 
personally had like a my, like a pretty decent drawdown in 2022. I mean, it's nothing really serious, like 10 or 12, 13% of my net equity. But um, still, at, at that point, I realized that, uh, like I mentioned before, you know, I built my proficiency with every single R level in between. So when I'm backtracking, you know, I don't really have an issue with having these huge leaps of, you know, like PL and like increasing my risk the next day um, because I've already dealt with that in the past. So, for me, I'm like very comfortable using two percent at that point, until I get back to kind of where I was, and then at that at which point where I'm testing my limits and I know like what I was trading before, then I'm probably going to like slow down and everything like that. But you know, I re I re typically recommend just using one percent, especially for someone pushing the fold because it happens quite quickly, and you don't really need to risk more than that, um, especially if you don't know all the unknowns like you mentioned because. You could think that you're on a streak and then all of a sudden increase your exposure. All of a sudden, something happens that you don't expect and you lose confidence. It's just really, it's a it's a tough game to play. And I think people's greed in that respect is probably why, um, like where I think part of my edge come from as a trader is just like, I know how to be kind of patient with myself and just really think long-term. Whereas, a lot of people really just want to make money right now but the thing is like um when you set a goal like let's say you want to make a million dollars something like that you're probably going to do what it takes to get to a million dollars but in my experience what i found is if i just perfect my systems and i just have something i want like let's just say i want a million dollars not it's not my goal to make a million dollars and so if i want to make a million dollars i got to do all these things right and you just create the, the right systems. Like a lot of times you're just going to completely smash that goal. Like you probably two, three, four times that goal just by not thinking about what it is, but rather how to, how to do it day to day and just taking the small steps. So I'm like, I'm totally committed to the process and I don't really think about, you know, those type of things. Cause I think it's just useless. Yeah. And I, again, what I found interesting was how a lot of, your thoughts and systems kind of parallel what what we do um you know even with the daily limit and i mentioned how like for us and selling options the the max profits defined by the credit we collect but then when we stop out we stop out as some multiple of that credit but by extension the amount of credit we sell is essentially a proxy for how much we can lose right because if we willing to risk two you know, to make one, then if I sell $100 of credit, I'm willing to lose $200, so on and so forth. And so one way to define or cap the risk is just don't sell so much premium because like people get this tendency when like volatility is high or think there's opportunity to sell a bunch of options. But when volatility is high and premium is rich, it's like things are volatile for a reason, right? It's not like it's easier or you're going to make more money just because you sell a bunch. And so having the idea of like limiting the credit you sell so I think it's interesting how that kind of parallels things. But one thing that I was interested to get your take on, because for me, um, and this may be more specific to like my goal with trading, but like some of the numbers you throw out in terms of like the compounding, it's like, it's quite high. Like just, just set some context for me. And maybe it's because I'm like a fund manager or whatever, or maybe it's just my take on the, 
time horizon of trading, right? If, if I see anyone that can compound their account, you know, 15 or 20%, 25% consistently over like any medium long timeline, that, that's a huge, right? Depending on how much you start yeah. with and how much you fund your account. But for you, like this may change depending on the level of capital you have, but like in the beginning, and maybe you can go through the phases, like what kind of percent, and I know when you're wiring out and paying yourself, it complicates things, but like, what's like a reasonable for you, like, I don't know, beginner, intermediate, advanced, like in terms of, if you just think of like percent on your capital, like what kind of percentages are you actually, like what would be a, I don't know, a good year or a good expectation or something to shoot for right. I honestly, I don't, I really don't like percentage as a metric because it's like, yeah, it's like you mentioned, if if someone's managing, you know, billions of dollars or something like that, you know, they're not going to make hundred percent. Right. Um, it's just, whereas like people who are new, they'll talk in percentage. They'll be like, well, I made like 5,000% of my account, but they start with, you know, like 500 bucks or like hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Like, it's just really not a good metric. Like I, I did track it, but it's just like, it's so ridiculous. You know, it's like. When you're talking when you make like ten thousand plus percentage or like twenty thousand percentage of your account from the start, it's like, well, I don't think that qualifies me to be a hedge fund manager. Like that's just a function of my account value at the time. Right. Um, so I I don't think in terms of that. I think more in terms of just R because R just represents what I, how my execution was in terms of performance. And I think that when I think in terms of R, like an average month for me would probably like 50 R or something like that if things are pretty decent. And, you know, it's like your risk 1% is 50%. But the thing is you're compounding it. So it's like every single day that you're doing well, it's going to be a bit more than that 1% that you risked the day before. So, you know, that's when things can get like really wild. But that being said, you know, the opportunity here in small caps is really just through the volatility um in the past couple of years yeah there's been a lot of volume so it was quite scalable but most if not all you know really successful small cap traders eventually just uh, move on to different asset classes to scale their accounts or different strategies like swing trading or position trading for a longer time horizon uh, because the liquidity intraday does not support you know more than probably like a like a eight like maybe like 20, 30 millions net profit per year, things like that. Um, if you're like on a really high end, I think. That's a so lot. Okay. It, is a, it is a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like a lot of the like really successful small cap traders that graduated from it ended up becoming nine-figure traders. So there's not liquidity for a nine-figure trader in small caps necessarily, um, unless their risk management style is like really... Um, you know, ridiculous. And I, I will say, you know, that 30-figure is like really based on kind of outlier years, I would say. I think it's probably a lot less, you know, from 2022 forward. Um, I think probably maybe tops to something like a little bit over eight figures. But, you know, again, like that really depends on your ambition. So for me, it's like, well, I personally felt like I want to push it even harder and harder and harder. But at the end of the day, I realized, you know, like you buy something really expensive and like, it just draws way too much attention to yourself and you can't even wear it. You can't even use it. You know, like I, if I wear like my AP Royal Oak, you know, like it, chances are someone's going to pull up on me with a gun and like threaten my life for like a piece of metal. And so 
what makes you happy you know it's like i don't personally feel like i need to um make more and more and more money but that being said i'm in this game mostly from a performance standpoint because um i want to see how good i can be so that is going to take me down the rabbit hole of like learning some other asset class in the future or some different style but for the moment um being in a drawdown i'm not really worried about pushing the fold i'm worried more about capital preservation and this year has been very difficult for a lot of traders so it's like it's not really a time for me to like really try to push and so we'll see how that evolves but i can definitely see myself uh leaning into the future side and i'll be really happy i believe to just not deal with the constant slippage and things like that because it's extremely annoying but what we're talking about just uh the average trader you know someone who comes in a couple tens of thousands of shares um you have no problem executing in and out of small caps and like i said the the opportunity there is through the volatility that's pretty consistent so it's like you can put on let's say if you have um like a three to four three or four to one risk reward it's like you risk 300 bucks you have a four to one you get a couple thousand you make a thousand bucks per trade you know that's really not too bad when you stack it up over the course of a year so um it's pretty it's a pretty good market for most people i would say do you think it's like realistically like you mentioned you're in it kind of for the performance aspect so there's some degree you want to keep kind of pushing yourself and seeing where you can you know which horizon you can reach but is there some aspect and maybe it's because you, you you know other successful traders there's just some aspect of like once you get to a certain level uh, capital wise like you only need so much money right do they start yeah. kind of just naturally aiming for a lower percent of their account even though that level of capital is the same but just because like i only need two hundred thousand <laughs> whatever it is yeah, right exactly. and if i if i have a million dollars at some percent if i have two million dollars some percent so is that a more normal trajectory for like someone who thinks of them you know wants to be a full-time trader whatever that means and like what is that end game like um is that kind of the more normal path you would say just like get to some level of capital where it's comfortable and then your your percent naturally just drops because of more because of the numerator going up or is it the denominator yeah but as opposed to like trying to keep pushing higher and higher pnl i think the people who become that or go towards that one percent of traders they usually keep <laughs> keep scaling honestly oh, really uh, they do yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy but you know that's the thing though that the opportunity therein lies for someone who does understand kind of their needs and like you know i'm not sure exactly how that person thinks because personally i am like driven to be competitive and like want to push but i also recognize you know it's like well if you're if you have the option to trade or the option to work like a normal nine to five the opportunity of investing your time into trading is extremely high where to the point where you can actually you know uh like make multiples on your typical income and this is even for just like even for the higher end professions like tech or doctors and lawyers and things like that and so that's where i feel the opportunity is for those people because like my goals were not that big you know back in the day i wanted to my um fiance at the time she was my, now my wife but she was um 
working in tech and you know it's like 100 120 ish per year and like my goal was just like okay let me i want to be equitable so i want to have at least 120k per year and then eventually i was able to you know double that up so then i then she can quit her job because that was the next thing i want to do and then it's like if that's your goal like you could you can definitely achieve that and it's like when we're talking about people who are like pushing you know like multi-million dollar years and things like that or into the eight figures etc it's like at that point those people are literally just obsessed with the market and like you know they know how to push it and it's more of a game to them more so than like something they need and i see it like a lot of times there's like mostly young people doing it because they don't have a lot to lose um but you know there's also older guys who kind of kept going and they they've just been obsessed from the beginning it's just like I don't think there's really like an average per se. I just think that it's something so worth your effort because it's not comparable to the way that you can make money in real life. And like I always thought to myself, well, why wouldn't everyone want to be a trader, right? Cuz it's like the be- it's like the best thing you can do to make money almost. I don't I think it outperforms like everything, really. Uh most things that people have their hands on. And it's just like, well, you can't you can't force someone to be passionate about it it's like uh, as much as i want like my little brother to like get into the market and save himself from not having to deal with all the bullshit out there um it's just like i can't make him feel the same things i feel about it like i love it you know i love trading um would i trade with if it wasn't for money no probably not there's obviously a money aspect to it that makes me love it more but I love the aspect of uh, like learning how to better myself all the time in my systems and everything like that. And the natural progression of that is just making more money. But if someone doesn't love that process and can't deal with kind of hardship and constantly, you know, self evaluating and like things like this, it's just, uh, you know, it's not in the cars for them, really. It's specific kind of individual will succeed at this. But even if you don't have high-flying ambitions, you're still going to do pretty well. Uh, you can't achieve that realistically. On a more practical standpoint, though, again, like you, you're such a driven person. You have kind of that that pursuit for perfection. But and and like you said, money is just an aspect of it. I mean, it's 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 a good aspect. But like, how how do you actually pay yourself? Is it is it like a fixed schedule, or is there every time you go over a certain amount? Like, I, I guess people have different schemes or whatever, but how how do you see that in terms of the managing the actual capital and i don't know drawing a salary or something so that that freeze method is really all encompassing i it's something that you can do when you're small smaller risk amounts and something you can do at the highest risk amount so for me it's I, i'm always thinking of like what's the next level of pnl i can push and that's all based that's all derivative of my r so if i want to risk 1% of my account and risk you know like Five thousand bucks or ten thousand bucks, whatever. Um, my account only needs to be a certain level to do that. Like I only need so much exposure in my actual account because, again, I understand everything in there is subject to loss. It's subject to risk, right? So for me, whenever I'm pushing a new level or when I'm at a level I'm com- or I'm still struggling with, that's where I'm going to be paying myself the most. Especially when 
I'm on a streak. So sometimes I'll pay myself like literally once every single day for a week because my strategy is just hitting and I'm at my peak size, but I'm not willing to risk more than that because I'm not like I'm still dealing with, you know, uh, handling all the emotions of that current risk. So let's just say like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've frozen my risk. My account is where it needs to be. I'm having a hot streak, paying myself every single day. That might happen once in a while. There could be months where it's just three months I didn't pay myself. Of course, like as a business, I'm incorporated, so I have a, some sort of payroll structure. But in terms of like, so I get a consistent income from that, but it's really nothing compared to, you know, like the distributions I could take as a as a whole, like on my trading business. So I just wire in whenever it comes because at that point, it's like, you know, you have a year's worth of expenses paid for. You have two years, and then you have five years, 10 years, whatever. Now at that point, it's like, well, maybe I can start sizing up because I don't have to worry about like my immediate living conditions. Then I might just be in this process of fluctuating my account up and down based on how good the market is, how good I'm performing up until that next threshold. At which point, you know, that could be a process of, um, I could be comfortable with that risk within a week. It could take me a month or months. And I've had times where like I hit my peak kind of liquidity that I wanted to like really discover and play out. And I, I kept that risk for like four months, five months, because I realized that there was so much I need to learn there emotionally and also just mechanically um, with liquidity that, you know, I was happy to be there and going further would be a mistake. So at that point, I'm just wiring out like whenever I get the opportunity. But, you know, the fluctuations in between, if I'm losing money, I'm going to be compounding down and I won't pay myself until I get back to that peak R. So it's just a really, it's like a process that's very fluid and there's no payment schedule, so to speak. Okay, got it. No, I, I appreciate that perspective because, you know, where I mentioned our thoughts, you and I, on our thoughts on R and risk management really align. The, this aspect is something that's uh, not that I'm opposing to it, it just hasn't come up because for one, obviously, as like a, a manager, I get paid to manage money. That That's totally different than like the normal people. But even beyond that, like, the type of trading that I do and the kind and the kind of strategies that like I promote or teach, it's it's more like I don't I for one don't think I could do what you do, like where you're literally trading to like put food on the table, right? But I see more as like a way to uh trade in a style where you can manage and have positive expectancy without having to be totally focus on the screen like when you're like when you're doing like you're you're in the moment right and and our kind of strategies are stuff where a lot of the hard work is like in the actual education and learning about the risk and the risk management but when you put it on positions these are like long positions where you're more managing like a book or like you're managing risk and because of that time decay component you're making profits just from the passage of time and you're more managing your exposure and just trying to like safely harvest you know that that decay from the options and so i always kind of promote like ways of taking a step back and having more low touch strategies and again like kind of looking at growing your account long term and having your trading account maybe be like a piece of your overall financial portfolio like retirement accounts or mixed with other investments um, or something and that's why i always talk about like 
when you talk these numbers of like your if your R is two percent and you're doing fifty R, I'm like thinking like wow, that's like a hundred percent, and I'm I'm like working so hard, like sometimes you still make like fifteen or twenty percent, but it's about that consistency, right? And like protecting the capital and and not having those drawdowns, and so I think that's one perspective that uh, at least your audience. Uh, may or may not realize it's like possible where like trading options doesn't have to be like YOLO trading or like day trading and directional trading. There, there's ways to more educate yourself in terms of like managing a book, managing a portfolio and having a way to make money that does does not require, um, again, not to play down the amount of time spent on like educating, but like the actual day to day, it doesn't have to be like all in in terms of like the, the screen time and stuff. So just wanted to share kind of a different perspective there um uh before we wrap up or i guess in wrapping up because one thing that was kind of poignant about your i think it was your traders for cause podcast and you, you mentioned about like meeting all these elite level traders that and i think the words was like either seem sad or have regrets and like because it does take that commitment right and you have to make sacrifices and you know for yourself you mentioned like um, kind of that pursuit, like you might transition to something, I don't know, futures or something, right? There's always that, like that, that next, that, that next thing that you want to move on to. But like, do you think, um, how did you kind of find that balance where you mentioned you recently started taking a time off? Like, like you're able to do this podcast today. It was like three o'clock when we started because you weren't trading, right? You were taking one or two days off. Like, how do you find that balance? And like, where did you get that inspiration to like, step back a bit and like not be so pedal to the metal like all the time yeah so i like you mentioned i did i'm always curious like how the end game kind of results for people especially people who are like really successful so at the traders for calls in 2021 i just kind of went around and like asked people who i thought were really good and i was like you know how's your life like um you know is it what you thought it would be etc and I don't know if I caught him like on a down year or what, but like a lot of the guys are just like, you know, hey, you know, I don't have to worry about anything. But then I, you know, I kept trying to push it and like took a big loss and it kind of shattered my confidence. And like, you know, that takes some time to recover from things like that. And I was like, oh, that's crazy because I feel like you wouldn't have anything to worry about like at all. And there's other people who are just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know like um, what I want to do right now. I'm trying to figure that out. Like personally, they don't like you. Know, you put so much in the market, like it's hard to know like what what you would do if you weren't a trader, things like that. So there's like a lot of self discovery. Like I feel like, um, and you know, I. But on the other hand, there's people who are like pretty well balanced. You know, it's not like it's a mixed bag, right? I was just trying to see like typically how people act. I, one thing that really surprised me though is just the um, like some of the guys were just insane gamblers, like people who are just in it for the thrill you know they go to the casino and just blow like a ton of money and they're just like i'm just gonna make it back the next day on trading whatever and i was like what the hell is going on here so for me that's that's the ultimate degeneracy <laughs> um nothing i want to be involved with but you know like a lot of it really comes down to just kind of life lessons i suppose like my dad died pretty young around 60 years old and um he worked super hard he didn't get enough uh, exercise or nutrition or sleep. Those are three big things that it's like, even when he did eventually pass away, which 
I was, you know, devastated by. It was like I couldn't not feel I couldn't help but feel like I kind of saw it coming, like the way that it was his life was going. I just didn't think it would happen so soon. But I wasn't surprised, even if that sounds really morbid. And, you know, I have similar tendencies where like I work a lot and I was getting, you know, like four hours of sleep for like the past maybe five years, really. And I was just completely exhausted and drained. But at the same time, I just felt like the opportunities were just always there. You know, I felt literally like if I miss a day, I can just like miss someone's like salary, you know. And I was like, I don't know what to do about this because the opportunity is clear here and I'm just going to keep pushing myself. So I did. And at some point, the market slowed down right around 2022. And I was just starting to feel like I was showing up to the market based on a habit of wanting to push buttons and make money. And the market wasn't really there for me. So I was like forcing trades. And at the same time, I was like always trying to push the next level. So I was like, oh, I need to size up or I want to like two times my last year or three times my last year and I'll be set for life. And um, I can retire young and stuff like that. It's worth it for me to sacrifice and keep, you know, feeling like shit. <laughs> and I continued to do that, but then it really forced me into the situation where I was not adapting to what was happening around me. And I was burning out so fast that I realized, you know, I have... I have a coach and uh, her name is Kim at Curtin. She has worked kind of like on Wall Street and with people who are like really successful. And she's been telling me like even last couple of years, like during COVID, hey, you, you can probably afford to take a day off a week or every two weeks. And I was like, that's preposterous. Like there's no way because the opportunity costs, you know, and she's like trying to tell me, you know, it's not really all about money. And here's all these examples of people who like achieve extreme success who are not fulfilled, etc. And like I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so I I kind of pushed that away for so long. And finally this year, after just really kind of bleeding away this money that uh, you know, I was obviously willing to risk, but in a way that was just so forced and unnatural because of the market i was just like man i need to like really reflect and kim always told me you know it's like you don't even really know what your normal state is because you're always tired and it's like i would think that because i was up every single day and like working every day and doing everything i need to do that i was being productive but what i realized is like one day i just took a day off because i was so tired i couldn't even wake up and that very same day, like I was, I had this project that I was putting off for so long and it was like checking each individual day, like how much um, PL I was making per day, like on a daily basis for years. And so I had enough energy to do that. And I completed, you know, like a three years analysis and I found out that like just certain days of the week, just not profitable really, or hard fought profits, that's what I should say. And I was really surprised by the data that I could work so hard, but like some days it's just really not fruitful. And of course, you know, my initial reaction to this, when my friends started telling me like, hey, you know, these days suck. I was like, oh, you're just being a wuss, you know, that this is all random trading 
uh, you know, it's all about putting in as much into your system as possible, all of large numbers, et cetera. And I just dismissed it. But upon completing the project, I saw literally like a trend that it's not just one or two trades a week. I'm talking like thousands and thousands and thousands of trades that for some reason these days were just not really worth it. And even if, even if some of them were on average, they weren't like, I've had, let's just say, for example, on Monday, I had two of my best days ever um, on Monday, but for one year, the net PL was negative, even though my R was positive because of those big days. So I was like, what the hell is going on here? Whereas like the other days, it was much better. And so I started to think, well, if I feel this good from just taking one day off and I can like do this kind of analysis or just complete these projects or do things around the house build up my relationship with my wife or with you know my friends and things like that how much better would my quality of life be and so i just started taking more time off because i was like screw this market you know i'm gonna wait for it to be better and um slowly you know i would be like oh i'm just gonna take monday off and then i would come back next monday and be like oh, i have a better system i'm gonna trade monday and it would just like this back and forth back and forth all year just taking days off and coming back the next time saying i'll never do it again and finally i just decided you know what screw it I'm going to commit to this because of the possibilities of living a more fulfilled life. And luck, you know, thankfully I'm in a position in life where I don't necessarily have to worry about expenses for a long time. And so I recognize like you know, I've been waiting for this uh future for so long and keep delaying it and delaying it for myself that I'm not even re recognizing how lucky I am to be in the position I am today and that filled me with a lot of gratitude for like okay if this is what I've been working for this whole time why can't I re realize it now and I've been reading a lot of books or I've been actually listening to this podcast called Founders Podcast it, it's uh, recommended to me by, by my friend Chris um, it's amazing because what this guy does is David Senra is the, he's the host he reads autobiographies and he'll kind of summarize different points and he'll point out to the audience like almost like a conversation you know if he's talking to you in the room like oh this is what i read this is what i think about it this is so interesting like listen to me and there are these there there's this one kind of theme across all these you know great men and women where they work so freaking hard and they have this kind of expectation of the future and a lot of times like the future is just so uncertain you know that things happen to them things happen to their loved ones and they end up having this immense amount of regret for not realizing that they were what they've worked towards is not possible anymore because of the sacrifices they made and so personally just from my own experience and just like learning from that i've just decided to commit to this process of taking more time off and like on a fixed frequency and supported by the data of my project of like maybe it's not really worth it necessarily to invest that time and um like i just noticed certain things like i noticed for example on friday like especially on most fridays but especially on the fridays like before holidays people they just take the day off or like they'll bail real quick and for me like the liquidity dries up and it's just like it's a battle to kind of um deal with those situations and it's really nerve-wracking too when you don't see a lot of participation because 
your position all of a sudden all of a sudden becomes outsized and that's the kind of stress that just like really kills the system because it's like um as you if your stats ever skew a certain way like you expect to get three to one but all of a sudden it's so thin that like you exhale your position now it's a two to one like that's a huge um that has a huge effect on your expectancy overall so like different little metrics like that really get adjusted when there are these different factors and, th and a lot of those do actually end up becoming more of a pain in the ass based on scale so for a lot of my career um growing my account i've been like undersized i guess for the liquidity and so it never really mattered so i was like oh yeah i can show up here i can show up every day i can show up you know do this and that and like it's no big deal because i can get in and out of my positions exactly how i want but i realized that the more that you grow the more that the opportunities become a lot less uh, frequent and like i've seen that mirrored in um elite traders as well where they their frequency goes way down and that's really just a function of your liquidity and how it impacts the market and i've had to come like really get uh like beaten down to understand like oh this is the new reality and no matter how much you want to prize like how you got to a certain place like oh i've been grinding every single day i don't take breaks whatever um at some point you have to really like reflect on the situation and by by forcing my time in the market i have really not given myself the amount of time to like really truthfully reflect on these things and also support that with data which is what I, like a lot of my projects are so it's just been a process of like really recognizing the value of rest and what that can do for you and also just like you know what is uh what do you value and things like that and that's like something i'm always hesitant to really share because i don't want people to be like well that's your problem and like you know i'm out here grinding so it's so unrelatable but like i've always appreciated when people share that with me especially when i was a younger trader because i was like what the hell am i doing this for you know i i want to know always want to know what people are doing um at the end of the road and i want to prepare myself for that um along the way so it's like you know i understand a lot of these things uh people have to experience themselves before they you know really come to understand appreciate it but that's just where i'm at and that's like what, what i'm interested in talking about and if you want to like if people want to learn like all the stuff i've shared it's there on the internet like i mentioned you can literally just search it up and not only that but i'm always trying to respond to people's questions and i even if it's something i've answered before like i try to point them in the right direction and i, and I try to leave this breadcrumbs of you know uh, interviews like you mentioned where each one i try to bring something a bit different but i'm always going to be in a different place along my journey so it's like go to go to the point that you know reflects or resonates with where you are and that's going to be really effective for you because it's like i think those lessons are timeless i think that's a great takeaway to leave our audience with um brian i want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today i this is definitely kind of uh different from my usual episodes and you know we didn't really talk about strategies and specific trades because again our like i said it's, it's a crossover episode so I, I don't think our audiences would really appreciate like the specifics of the trading anyways but uh, i've always wanted to get you on and kind of talk about all the other aspects right um the importance of uh, community having people to to learn from the risk management side and 
and lately, you know, what you said about you know, ways to look beyond the trading and planning for your life and, and trying to get the most out of it besides just the money. So again, really appreciate. Um, I'm going to link uh, your Twitter is a, at Brian Lee Trades. Is that the uh, yeah. Twitter handle? And I, I'll link, um, I think you have a site that has the collection of all your other content and everything. But again, Brian, thank you so, so much for, for coming on today. Thanks, David. I appreciate it, man.